The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to More Than 02148. I'm your guest host today, Ed Lucy, and my guest this evening is Debbie DeMaria. Hello, thank you. And I guess your title now will be Farmer's Counselor at Large. Farmer Counselor at Large, uh, yes. You know, what happens sometimes with people is that we, we know them in a certain fashion. But uh, like a lot of people, but uh, your life is in one dimension or with politics. You have a, a life far beyond just uh, politics. And for those few people in Malden who may not be aware of some of that, why don't you give us a little quick background on your personal back history? Sure. Thank you for having me, first and foremost. I'm kind of a has-been now, so it was really quite an honor to get invited to your show. Well, always keep in mind, it's better to be a has-been than a never was. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I think right now, the month of January, I am going to focus on the five little rascals that are in my life, and those are my five grandchildren. I have The fifth one is, is your husband? No, <laughs> he's the sixth one. But uh, the five rascals, I have four grandsons and one beautiful granddaughter, and it's certainly a lot of work. So as I slide into retirement, that's all I'm focusing on right now. So, and that's a lot. <laughs> uh, the other thing too is that at one time years ago, it was thought that uh, you know Marlon was a very parochial city in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, and uh, and for someone that would move into the community and run for office would be almost like they're challenging some townie that had been here forever, as if that's was a, a criteria to qualify you alone. But you, you've been in Malden a long time. How did you, you, you grew up down the Cape? Uh, yeah, I've been in Malden 42 years. Yeah, how did and, you end up in Malden? Yeah, so it's a great story. Um, so I come from Falmouth, Mass, and I went off to college at Westfield State and then went to Catherine Gibbs and uh after that, I ended up working for Delta Airlines at the airport, and uh, it was a great night. It was 1979, and um, every month, uh, an airline would host a big uh, themed party, and it was my third month working for the airlines, and I went to this Aer Lingus party, and I ended up winning... Um, a trip for two to Ireland. And lo and behold, there was a gentleman who was an aircraft mechanic that worked for Eastern Airlines, and he won a shillelagh stick. So they ended up posing all the winners, and he was with a date, I was with a date, and he stood next to me. This is all private stuff. I can't believe I'm sharing it. And he said to me, by the way, I'm going to Ireland with you. I said, who are you? And seven months later, we went to Ireland together. And he comes from Everett. And we ended up on the North Shore. And we're married in 81. So. It went? We were married in 1981. So oh, it's in eight you... weeks. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyway, that's a little personal, but he's probably going to kill me that I said that. So Now, the one thing you didn't mention, didn't he won the shillelagh. Does that make him Irish? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a beautiful country, Ireland. Yes, so. I've been there more yeah. than once. Yeah, and, beautiful. Uh, I had a granddaughter who was living there. I have a granddaughter who's yes. living there. Yeah. And uh, she just was, 
She was here for the holidays and went back to Ireland last Saturday. Wonderful. Yeah, she had a little baby, and uh, she's in Sligo, as okay. opposed to... Uh, and for those people that are good at geography, Ireland was thought of as a very small country, but when she flies here, as she did with her husband, the return flight, and of course the, it's the outgoing flight as well, Schlager was two and a half hours drive by car from from Dublin, so that's where the airport is, and so it's a small country, but it's a long ride back and forth to the airport. Yeah, so I anyway, guess. so so that's how you met Al. Well, that's how I met Al. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a that's yeah. an interesting story. Yeah, Delta and Eastern Airlines. You wouldn't go over too big in Jerry Springer's after forty two years. No, no. no, no, no. <laughs> but we know people that might. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, um, a couple of quick things. One of you'll notice we have our coats on, mm-hmm. and it isn't because we're in a refrigerator or, or, or it's a remote um, uh, TV show from the Antarctic. It's uh, We're in the basin of UMA, M-A-T-V, and uh, we'll have to see if they can get some, some heat down here someday soon, or uh, yeah. we'll have to keep looking like we just came from the Antarctic, like <laughs> a couple of Eskimos. Well, Ed, this is the coldest day ever. It is seven degrees outside. Yeah, <laughs> you know what's interesting, although we don't think of it, we only got our first snow the other day. Yeah. And sometimes we get snow in October. Yeah. And you think, oh, we're in for a bad winter, but the reality is, the earlier you get your the snow, the less likely it is going to have a severe winter. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And in fact, most uh, or oftentimes the serious snowstorms come in February and March when you think you're almost out of the wow. over the winter. Oof. And uh, but the cold sometimes is uh, hard to get rid of um, unless you keep on the move. Yeah. And uh, you've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. Um, Still doing it. Uh, what is that? Still doing it. Still doing it. Yeah. We, um, your 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 career started on the school committee. It did. It started in uh, 2012 on the school committee representing Ward 3, um, and that was an amazing position. Um, I worked with uh, John Frario, Lenny Iovino, um, had some great times, and we, we did a lot in those two years, so mm-hmm. yeah. The the school committee school committee position um, has a mayor as a chairperson. Yeah, and obviously with the city council, you have uh, a member elected among the eleven people that are on the right. council. Yeah, uh, did you find the school committee's experience was an advantage when you went on the city council? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It was uh, totally different. You know, there's really no legislation that needs to be written. The school. Uh, committee members are responsible for passing the budget and passing the calendar and um, just kind of a first blush of, of certain things. But as years have gone by, their responsibilities seem to have really grown, you know, with the COVID and, you know, situations, school safety and bullying. And they address a lot of things and they certainly uh, work very hard. So, so with the leader, uh, the mayor as the chairperson, um, what do I think about that? I think that, uh, you know, it, it's working. Is it working at its best? I don't know. And it's to no fault of uh, Mr. Gary Christensen. It's just a lot of other communities don't, um, you know, they're, they have their own elected amongst the body, their leader. So... You know, that's probably a good question for the school committee members. It's been 10 years since I've been on it, so. Yeah, for the more recent residents of Malden, um, there used to be a five-member school committee, uh, and they ran at large, which was, of course, citywide, uh, which was a more difficult race. Uh, Unfairly, I thought at the time, was the the school committee had no compensation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought uh, that was... uh, not really fair when you consider the fact that uh, in some time, in sometimes there is their their situation is more critical because a, a big part of the city budget goes towards the cost of education. The largest part, yeah. And um, past that, um, 
it's sometimes difficult to stay within the budget depending on the things that happen during the course of the year. You know, sometimes the, the city budget gets thrown out of whack because you've had a severe winter and you budget so much money for snow removal and you find out you're over budget. But the law does allow a community to amortize that d deficit. Unlike most other expenses, you have to have them paid by the end of June, which is the end of the fiscal year for right. communities. But with snow uh, uh, problems, you can defer a portion of that and amortize the, the shortfall over several years. But with, the, with the school budget at that time, and it is isn't the same true currently, you have to have the bills paid by the end of June or you defer the payment on paper, but in reality, you're not supposed to be able to do that. And I can recall some years on the council, there'd be criticism of the school department because they uh, they overlip, overran the budget, but sometimes it was not it was beyond their control. Yeah. There was a special needs student sometimes, there was a substantial increase in cost sometimes to f have students go out of the community to school, there was some other factors, yeah. and obviously uh, the school committee or the school system sometimes was a whipping boy of the of the yeah. city council, yeah. which I, I didn't think was fair. But yeah, that I, was I don't think it's fair either. Um, you know, the process of a budget is very intricate and very difficult. And, um, and so I think that, um, you know, the school department's budget has been, you know, amazingly uh, on point and on budget over the last... I don't know, three three or four terms for myself. And I'm proud to say the budget was passed every year that I was on city council. But I have to go back to just one thing that you said. So I started on school committee. And I actually started as a parent. I don't know if you remember this, but back then there were eight uh, K through eight schools in Malden prior to the five that we have now. And each, each um, building had um, their own hierarchy of PTO um, mothers and fathers uh, working to better the school. So I don't even remember what year, but we decided as I was Glenwood School PTO president, and we decided wouldn't it be great if we connected the entire city with what we're doing in each individual school, and we formed a, um, a district-wide PTO. And it had the uh, president and the vice president of each elementary school that would also meet once a month, and we'd share ideas and share fundraising ideas, recycling ideas. That's when, you know, recycling became a hot topic and, you know, something that we should all do. And... Um, we, were, we also combed through the budget. We were privy to the budget. And we would sit and we would say, okay, what do you think about that? What do you think? And we earned a non-voting seat on the school committee. So we could not vote on expenditures. or, But we actually sat on the, the panel. and um, All eight of you? No, one at a time. One at a time, we'd have um, we'd share the month. Oh, I see. Each one would, you know, share the month, and um, oh my gosh, it was it was really a, a eye opening experience to politics and how to run a municipality. So it wasn't really the school committee. I think I got the love for politics way back when. So do you remember that at all? I do. Uh, I remember sitting next to you. Uh... <laughs> When I when I was mayor and you were representing the school committee, yeah. but um, and I remember you talking, talking, talking to me, and I'm sitting there, and I finally got the nerve to well, say I wasn't, to you, I wasn't paid. Well, I was. I, I finally got the nerve to say to you, "Shh, I want to listen. I got to listen." <laughs> How many years ago? I was, was an ex officio member, but, but uh, um, the, fun. The, I uh, fun. the other thing that you now that you've touched on it reminds me. And in those days, uh, and that's not that long ago, uh, but uh, parents or interested citizens or involved people 
had a right to get up before the school committee and speak out on the issues that affect the school yes. or and other things that were germane to the to the docket that evening, yep. which um, I thought was an excellent idea for a lot of different reasons. And it took the city council up until very recently to allow that people to do that cause, because for some reason um, it wasn't in the in the game plan apparently. And I, I, I didn't think that was... Uh, makes sense because the more people you get involved, the more interested people are, the more you're going to get input that sometimes is better beneficial. I and agree. I think that happens well during the time you were on the city council, right? When I was it's council only fairly president. recently. 2018, yeah. Oh, so it's only... Uh, 2018, yeah. yeah. When, yeah. when um, I rewrote the council rule book, um, collaborating with former clerk Karen Anderson and city solicitor um, Kate Fallon and uh, and we worked hard it wasn't you know it's 40 years of council yeah. and there was a lot to be updated so you know I worked hard to get that passed yeah. with yeah. The, my yeah. colleagues and I, I think it's wonderful I think it's worked out great now 2018 19 20, 20 so it's almost four years now I don't see any issues. I, I think it's great. Co connectivity. Connectivity. Yeah. Right? Did, did you find that among the uh, uh, eight members of the, of the school committee, it was less partisan than it, the 11 members of the city council? That there's a, less of an individual agenda sometimes as, as opposed to uh, what yes. you sometimes see in the council? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, actually, uh, uh, as I mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago, the um, the five member counts uh, school committee um, had advantages. The disadvantages was that um, for the people that ran, they incurred expenses to run, and they there was no no stipends or salary involved with the position. Plus, it was citywide, which right. in some instances precluded people from considering running running because it, 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 they didn't have the time or they didn't have the uh, let maybe say the the, the uh, motivation to think that they have to cross the city, and they were interested in maybe what went on in the Glenwood School because they lived in Ward Three. But um, when when it went before a charter commission, the recommendation was that uh, they do a bit uh, ward base, which seems to be working. Yeah, seems to be working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think everyone has a uh, representative that they can go to yeah. should they need something. Um, looking forward, uh, I think there's a lot of changes that could be addressed in the charter. Um, I was part of the charter review committee that really went on for about three years. Um, and it was a, a, a group of uh, administration and uh, fellow colleagues. And, and we reviewed everything. And we got to the point where things were going to be changed and one of the changes was to kick up the city council's salary. And the following right at that same time, COVID started. So I personally, not my, just myself, but I really just did not see the value of something like that as an importance when we had people getting sick and dying. I said, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. So the work is, a lot of the work has been done and it's been documented and, you know, should, should they want to move forward with, you know, a further review once everything settles, then sure, I'm all about reviewing things because things have to keep moving forward, so. You, you mentioned um, salary for the, uh, for the counselors. Uh, I've mentioned on this show it, it previously that, uh, Marlin is unique in one way. It's a, a little like Melrose many years ago. Melrose had a mayor at that time um, who refused to get a salary increase. And it sounded like a very noble thing, but he happened to be a person who was a single person who had retired from a professional career, had an income stream from a prior uh, position, and on paper, that that be a noble, and maybe it was in a sense, um, but at the same time, as a practical matter, 
that also would discourage some people maybe from consider running because they couldn't afford to be a, uh, for the position, especially if you had someone in the late 30s or 40s, either had young children or the kid, kids ready to go to college or, or they were, had mortgage payments to make. You know, they'd say, gee, uh, how can I afford to be the run for mayor even if I won? How, you know, what would I do with the commitment I have for my future? So, And so uh, Gary Christensen, as the current mayor, has not had a raise since he took office, which is, oh, he, well, I think he did when the, the, the uh, school committee was uh, uh, made him the chairperson. But I suggested that uh, if you compare the salary of the Malden mayor, which is under the reasonable amounts, versus, let's say, what the mayor of Everett gets, which is outrageously exorbitant. <laughs> uh, oh, that's, Why did I know you were going to say that? Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's two different people, and I've had this conversation with Gary before, and he believes public service is just that. So, it's, you know, none of us... And, and if we do do it for the money, Ed, shame on us if we're doing it for the money. So I, I am, I'm really on the seesaw over that. I, I think that you, certainly he deserves more money because he's working around the clock. Um, but, you know, you, you can't twist his arm. He's not, he doesn't want any more. So we'll see if the charter, that's all part of the charter change. So, you know, we'll see if they carry that um, forward. And uh, it, it was just bad timing. I think that the concept of reviewing the charter was definitely, um, you know, uh, definitely time to do that. But then was COVID. So what were some of the changes that were implemented other than the one that allowed public speaking before the council? Yeah, no, that wasn't part of the charter oh, change. That it? was part of the council rule book, okay. so that was a little different. Yeah. Charter change had a lot of adjustments and who who reports to who and um but that never got out of committee. So we had a lot of discussion and change options, but it yet still had to go to the full council. So that's 11, and it never got to that step. Yeah. So. Was it for the COVID virus problem, or was just no. people couldn't come to an agreement on No, a, I think it really was COVID. Because uh, I, I served with um, Councillor O'Malley and Councillor Kamel on that committee, and Ron Hogan, um, Maria Louise, and Karen Anderson were on that. So yeah. there were six of us. Yeah. 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 One thing as a, uh, a parliamentary process, um, I would think the council might want to consider. This is just an observation from maybe my knowledge of history, or more important than that, my experience being in public office in the past, that at the Congress level, and, and as we can see that goes on in Washington now, there's a, there's a serious divide between the membership, depending on which side of the aisle, the Democrats and the Republicans, and it seems to be getting worse, which is unfortunate, mm -hmm. and more severe, which is even more serious. Um, however, one of the ways they try to minimize this personal issues that sometimes confront us as, as elected officials is that you don't name someone that's a member whom you're in disagreement with in terms of the dialogue that goes on during the debate. So in other words, you might refer to him as a person from across the aisle that might refer him as the, the state congressman from North Carolina or the representative from Louisiana. In that way, you, you take the name of the person away from the dialogue, and therefore the personal emotions that sometimes get involved when you get into disagreements is kind of at least partially minimized. It doesn't serve to eliminate it, but however... I think it's worthwhile that if if at the local level, that sometimes if that were done, that and and sometimes the issues locally become far more personal and emotional than it does in Washington. In Washington, you're talking about something that may not def, def affect your district, but affect your philosophy or mm -hmm. your country. But locally, it happens. It affects almost every issue to some degree causes some member to have a, a point of view that may disagree with somebody else that's on the council. Yeah. And so maybe if the council in their in their uh, when they set up the rules for the incoming council, if well, they 
get away from that name call instead of calling representative you know the count the de Maria at large or council of the ward three council by name whatever right. yeah right you just that's li- a good point yeah it it's the nature of the beast though that you know the yeah. disagreement. But that's and not your problem to deal with it anymore. It isn't. It yeah. isn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did I say hooray? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you, one of the things, that, and the other thing I'd like to just pass along is that um, as a, as a, um, a council at large, there's three councils at large. And th- it so happened this year, there were six running, so you, you elected three. There were a couple of vacancies. One of them was yours by not running again, and obviously the second one was uh, the Council of Winslow. Yeah, Council of Winslow from Ward Six is running for Ward Six, or did run for Ward Six as opposed to Ward so that opened up a, a, a Two. second seat, yeah, which is unusual. Really, and um, but in more recent elections, I don't know how, recall how many ran your last election. I don't think maybe four people ran. Yeah, there was, the I think, two before that was four. But when I first ran at large, coming from school committee, there yeah. was seven running. Yeah, so you had to have a primary. And we all voted to waive that to so save the city some, save you know, the money. Yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I... I I think back and I go, whew, I was brave to do that because I didn't know how I was going to sift out. Yeah, yeah. You know, with seven running. And, and how a, many vacancies? And a lot. One. Oh. Yeah, Greg Lucy. One. Oh. Yeah. So that was brave of me. So, well, I like that. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to mention. Um, your decision not to run had absolutely nothing to do with your vote total from your last election because, if my memory serves me correct, your vote, and I mentioned this in one of my prior shows when we were recapping the election for this year and also talking about it two years ago, that I think you got over 70% of people that actually took the time to vote. Yeah. It was a mayoral election, so yes. there was a turnout was much larger yes. than it was this yeah. past November. Yeah. And... Um, the, but that um, that total is is far in excess of any year's election that I can recall from my experience that at least goes back 40 years. Oh, my God. Uh, most I, I can remember that, someone— that's, I don't think that's me. That's that's the involvement of the residents in Malden, and, um, and I thank them completely. Well, it also f- reflects the fact that uh, uh, the, the other thing that's an issue sometimes in the minds of people— they think ward councils and city councils at large are like two different groups in the fact that the the ward councils deal with the potholes in the street and the missed rubbish pickup and the uh, you know the no parking signs and the uh, council at large deal with the big issues which is with the direction of the city's future that sort of thing and I don't know necessarily that's true I think in a lot of instances. People call the councils that they know, and they don't think of them in that sense. They think, uh, who do I call when I want to get some response from government? And yeah. you don't call the Ward 3 Council, whom you don't know, but you certainly wouldn't hesitate to call the council at large. Who, y- yeah, there, there's no um, definitive responsibility written down, so it, it doesn't say that. And, you know, in a recent council meeting, a uh, fellow councilor said that your learning curve coming from an at-large counselor to award council position is is going to be a big learning curve. And I remember listening to the meeting last Tuesday and I said, not really. We all we all have one vote, no matter whether we're a ward counselor or we are at large. And you know, I think the days of just worrying about your ward and everything has to be ward-based. I, I, I d- disagree with that completely. I can see that the ward counselors are territorial with, you know, their their ward. But at the end of the day, it's one city. It is one city, and the residents in Ward 5 deserve the same as the residents in Ward 1, as the residents in Ward 2. And, you know, I think the mindset of what we're all supposed to be responsible for, it's one thing, and that's the city of Malden. Right. So we, I got calls every snow day. I got calls around the clock, really. Actually, this morning I got a call from a resident from Suffolk Manor looking for a phone number. And I'm like, OK, 
okay, let me look it up for you. <laughs> so right before I came, so. Yeah. Uh, when when they when the uh, another thought occurred to me when we, uh, that I meant to ask was uh, when the charter group was reviewing the salary of the councils, had they thought of adding an extra stipend to, if you were uh, were to be the president of the council? Yeah, we to, talked about that as cause well because that's not uncommon. In other Medford does yeah, that. I know, other, I yeah, know. Yeah, because yeah, the. the uh, it's a managerial position. Yeah. You, you still have to be a city councilor or a councilor at large, and uh, and suddenly you have a million different responsibilities. Yeah. So anyway, that we thought about it, and I think future for the future, I think that would be great yeah. for the council president. How did you find, because uh, it went on for quite an extensive amount of time, um, Zoom meetings. How did you, do you feel they were productive? Yeah. I do. When we finally got started, yeah. I think, you know, as a resident now, I want to see my government working for me. And if we kept going, you know, week after week without a meeting, it's like I'd be sitting there going, what are they doing? So we did finally kick it off. And uh, Ron Cochran in the mayor's office, the communications director. His name keeps coming up for all these projects. Yeah, no, Ron Cochran. Oh, I'm sorry. The same first name. I know who you're talking about. (laughs) And uh, so so he was very helpful helping. And actually, the first. This is our Ron Cox from Uma? No, (laughs) another Ron. There we go. We've got a lot of Rons in this city. Just to qualify that and clarify that. Yeah. No, this is Ron Cochran. 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 And he did a a really uh, fine job. And he actually still uh, makes sure we're all uh, know the technology, even from the new city hall. So, but I think now we're all on Zoom. Is that what the mayor has decided? Isn't that what I read? We're all on Zoom now um, because of the COVID. Oh, maybe we have the ability to all be on Zoom. Oh, okay. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Executive order. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Um, but you had the council meetings themselves uh, or itself was already uh, televised on a regular basis on uh, MATV. And the difference was you were there in person, and now you're doing it from your home or yeah. from another location. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I found with Zoom that sometimes there was a community, there was an electronic problem. Sometimes people eat their lunch or the early uh, munchies, or uh, they might have somebody in the background call them, not realizing they're on television, whatever. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. It's just the way of the world now. Though. One way I think it's going to be a big advantage is that um, at the state level, in particular, where, where you have people who are concerned about an issue, but if they live in Worcester or Westfield, or they live in uh, even in in Everett, and it's an issue, they don't have transportation. Right. Even if they do, right. where do you park in Beacon Hill? Right. And the result is, those people never get the chance to be right. able to give their yeah. personal input. Yeah. Now they will, and that's yeah. and that's going to be a big plus, yeah. I think, in terms of. Uh, I agree. Yeah. The way uh, people are able to communicate mm-hmm. with the elected officials. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, speaking of that, with parking, I came down Pleasant Street and uh, I made a couple of turns around to find parking space, and and we still uh, do you get much uh, input or criticism or complaints about the parking and all? Oh my God! I get all compliments. Compliment. The, the, this is helping our businesses. People can't just park on Pleasant Street and jump on the T and go to work. They they now with the meters, there's a limit, two hour limit, and then the car's got to go. So, um, and I, I think our parking department was one of the uh, great things that came to fruition in my ten years. And who I, is I that really in did. charge of that? That's Ron Hogan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who seems to be very involved in our city. Yeah, and yeah. and well, I, I will tell you, I, I think that he's absolutely terrific. He is. And, uh, I believe he's a I very g- smart man. And I agree with I'm you. I'm very happy maybe with Maybe he's too smart to be working for the oh, government. Oh, no, maybe <laughs> maybe we make sure we keep him there. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he started off as a consultant, I think, in, yeah. initially in, in projects. But he's, he's a homegrown boy. Yeah. He's homegrown from Malden. He's uh, originally, I think, from Ward 7. From Actually, I don't shouldn't be telling all Ward, his secrets. Well, he lived in Ward 5 at one time. He, he was uh, he was in the um, projects and he's a homegrown, you know, yep. self-made and I'm happy to, you know, 
sheer that he's going to kill me. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's the guy to go to if you have a ticket. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> a ticket. Well, no, they have a good department, very good department. Yeah. Yep. Well, I thought one thing, and I've, I've, been ex- I've had experiences in other communities. Marlin's the only one that I know of that, like, for instance, on Pleasant Street, if you had a quick errand to do, you get a 15-minute free parking. Yes, yeah. And so, and I remember when the uh, a friend of mine had an issue. He was doing a, uh, he was running the, in the, the bank kiosk over here across the street, and he didn't have any uh, change. It was a nuisance for the run around to put money in the meter. And I said to him after he told me the story, I says, gee, the first 15 yeah. minutes is free. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But I, I think in a lot of instances people uh, would find that that's a, a quick a quick errand you had to do, yeah, and, you know, and more important than that, you, even if for some reason you didn't have change or you you ran over, the chances are you wouldn't get a ticket, and therefore the fifteen minutes makes it makes uh, it easier absolutely, to run downtown. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of consideration put yeah. into that. It it, I will say the ten you know the ten years that I've helped move the city along with my colleagues, we've we've done some really terrific changes, and uh, happy to be part of the legislation for the Community Preservation Committee and getting that on the ballot and moving some terrific projects forward. Um, I'm happy to have been part of a new business um, opportunity for certain people in the city of Malden, and that's cannabis and hours and hours spent on zoning and you know, who's going to, you know, meet with these people. And, you know, I tip my hat to Councilor Crow for that. She really worked diligently on that as I was council president. And while a lot of people don't really like the idea about that type of business, I think it will prove uh, fiscally helpful for our community and, um, you know, with a certain percentage going back to um, health and, you know, uh, I'm happy about it. I think right now we're waiting for the state and we have two that are in the pipeline. No, uh, the, 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 the sites here in Malden at the present time, are there any? Uh, yeah, there is one uh, that we're waiting for a state approval is, and that's it, in it, Ward 8. Is and it in operation? No. No. No, not yet. We're building uh, right near Cappies on Route 1. Uh, so it almost doesn't even feel like it's in Malden, but it's a great location um, to not feel it but get the benefit of the revenue. And then uh, the other one, I think, if I am right, is on Commercial Street. Correct. yes. And uh, there was a little opposition with that, and I think they've they've worked that out, and we're waiting for the state on that. And then there's one coming up uh, on uh, the 19th in the Board of Appeals, and that one is in Ward 6. So um, hopefully that gets approved, and that will be it. We're and where is that off. in Ward 6? Um, it is off of Eastern Avenue somewhere. Oh, because there's, yeah. there's one off uh, up on uh, uh, bro- up on Route One uh, uh, Broadway. Broadway, and uh, it's across maybe from the um, used to be. A, it's actually on a site. What used to be, a, I think, a car dealership. Yeah, that's Melrose. And yes, and mm-hmm. that's the point. People sometimes thought it was Malden. No, that's but Melrose. But they do a land office business because oh, you, you drive by there and you see all the cars and, yeah. and the. I don't know if the people are smiling when they go in, but they seem to be smiling when they come out. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> they have a <laughs> oh my take, gosh. A, take a blunt with them. If, oh, the, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't smoke in the building. Oh, uh, my you know, gosh, but, uh, you're uh, terrible. Uh, near the end of your tenure on the city council, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of controversy generated in Maplewood oh. with the uh, property purchased by the charter school. Yeah. And... Um, I, I may be missing something, but it just seems to me, and, and maybe I should reserve my comments until you can give maybe a bit of a background. To oh, that. yeah, thanks. You want me to go first, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so this is in my opinion, in my opinion. Everybody has a right to buy something. The charter school did their homework. They found a person who owned Maplewood Square. They offered him a whole lot of millions of dollars. And the owner sold it. 
And none of us in the city knew that was happening. Uh, honestly, none of us. So then we were faced with, oh, my God, they're going to knock down our beloved Maplewood Square and continue with their portfolio of school. And, you know, last summer, you know, we came out of recess. We hosted a citizen engagement meeting, 100 people showing up. We had the Zoom option. They circulated a petition. It, it was it was unbelievable how the uproar of the community and really proud of the community. So now what do we do? You know, so we enacted several years ago, I think 2017, the uh, demolition delay ordinance through the Historical Commission, which is don't be knocking down our buildings until we really see if there's a value historically to them. It, unanimous, great idea. So we imposed the demolition delay on, you know, that building. And that was mixed use. It was commercial. It had uh, residential um, apartments there that, you know, businesses, beautiful serenas and and uh, the Chinese place, I forget the name of that, and the chicken place, and everybody's all going to have to leave. So, um, so that held us tight for a year. So what do you think that did to those people in the charter school? Imagine having $6.6 .6 million on the table. Can't do anything for a year. So, you know, is this what I think... Did I want to be at that stage? No. But you got to open the dialogue. you got to bring everybody to the table and go, look, this isn't right. Let, let's see what we can do. And, and I applaud, you know, um, those people that really, you know, strategize. It's like Monopoly. It's like Monopoly. I'll give you two broadways if you give me Park Place. So I'm hoping that... After looking at what the city owns, and it's not just the city of Malden, it's Malden Redevelopment because they are now us, there is something that might entice the charter school to say, okay, let's, let's handshake on this and give a swap. And doesn't cost us tax dollars. And It's going to cost you tax dollars. Well, only if we take something eminent domain. Is that what you're saying? Because if it w no, um, the charter school by definition being a nonprofit, which you can argue that point along with uh, some other uh, yeah. nonprofits, but that removes those uh, those properties from the tax rolls. Because if they're building a, an adjunct right. to the schools yeah. or they're even administrative right. offices or whatever, yeah. all of a sudden mm -hmm. the, the taxes being generated, particularly from commercial property being generated, the city won't have. Correct. So yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a Correct. Fact. So I think, I think the powers that be right now have to, they have to identify and continue the dialogue. Okay, that's key. Continue the dialogue with... You know, the charter school who is not the most beloved institution in our city, let's say, for whatever reason or reasons. But well, let me give you I, that. Let I, me give I, you all the reasons. I know, I, I know. And I'm trying to be super nice here, but at the end of is the day. Is that the new year resolution? Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. So. Well, you are nice. No, but I, I just think that. You know, does anybody really want to see Maplewood Square being torn down? I mean, that that's Maplewood Square. That's our Malton. That's the center of our five miles. Well, when you look uh, when you look at the Salemwood School at um, school opening or closing for the day, or you look at the Charter School on the side streets, Granite Street in that area, when it when it opens and closes. Right. Um, and then even on Eastern Avenue, where the they have the charter school has their field, and they and the parents come to see sporting events there, they're parked along. Drafton. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a big problem, and I would almost say, you, 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 there's no way around re restructuring that area with a uh, their purchase without impacting Absolutely. severely the traffic. Absolutely. And, that's forgetting about the loss of tax revenue, yep. and, and that's forgetting about the impact on the business. One thing, um, 
I have a hard time understanding. I had a Councilor Winslow on my show uh, recently, and this was before some of these things that have occurred since since that show, is that um, the fact that they apparently sent to the tenants who, who were, had apartments in that part of their complex that they purchased a notice to vacate at the end of the year, which I thought in the middle of winter uh, in December before Christmas, why would you impose that kind of a... Um, a demand on the people because, uh, at a very minimum, it would appear that forgetting about the demolition situation, some of those uh, commercial properties have leases, so therefore mm-hmm. you can't move ahead and do a lot mm-hmm. with some of that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I never could get an answer on why they would do that. Since then, I sometimes have occasion to go to Franny's restaurant. Which oh, is, yeah, yeah, uh, and that's not impacted though, they're not, however. The way they're impacted is there's signs posted you can't without a permit you can't park in the parking yeah. area behind, uh, on the behind what used to be the bank, which is where uh, sometimes the people that would be going Franny's would would park their car off of Lebanon Street, and um, now I've heard since that uh, Serenos, for instance, and I'm, I'm giving you that name because uh, uh, this is what I understand, even though. They were tenants at will, uh, almost. They really weren't because they had a lease for another year. Right. But they're going to close now or very soon, and they're going to partner with uh, Exchange Bistro. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, were you aware of that? I was not, no. No. Uh, so they're going to uh, – but then again, I I couldn't understand how they could be impacted um, for at least another year because if you have a lease, yeah. unless they – Unless the new owners agree to pay you money yeah. to move, you're entitled to stay there. And that barber shop that's there, um, sometimes when I'm parked at the lights, you can see inside they have a pool table. And they, they did a great job. They there. spend money renovating, and that's Absolutely. a relatively so I assume they have a lease as well. Yeah. So there again, another business that is going to leave there. But uh, I, I have a hard time understanding. And some, and again, I'm not privy to all the goings on the behind the scenes. But over the years, the city's been particularly generous to the charter school. Uh, they sold uh, fire uh, station, the school in Emerson uh, School. Uh, yeah. Well, not only Emerson School, they sold the one down in uh, Maplewood, mm-hmm. and uh, and that one uh, yeah. literally was a, uh, a, 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 a less than a, a bargain. It was it was it was a, a hell of a deal for uh, the yeah. charter school because they yeah. they bought a standing property that they could rehab. At a minimal amount of money, and they ended up with a building that was already there. Yeah, and and, and the yeah, I, I think that I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry, but I I do think that the uh, that the community has their arms wrapped around the tax exempt opportunities with the 11 plus properties that Mystic Valley owns, and we have as of two years ago a new assessor, no disrespect to the old one but we do have a new assessor and i have communicated with him continuously about post what they pay in taxes send somebody over and check on their properties it's not fair the city is not gathering that tax revenue so you know there's a lot that has happened in the past that in order to get to where we need to be it takes, you know, government, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but it's got to be a consistent, you know, ask of the assessor, ask to post that, let the community know, well, they weren't paying taxes, but maybe now they are paying taxes on a few. And, you know, make sure they continually qualify for that exemption. Um, it's sad that a educational institution has become so disliked in a community and that's sad to me because I am like so all about education and we just have to change the narrative that's why I do applaud Ron Hogan and our mayor for bringing them to the table we can't fight anymore Ed we can't hate them and then they hate us and then they buy something that we don't know and they're disrupting our entire community Look at, do I think it's going to work? I'm hopeful whatever happens is going to work to save Maplewood Square. You know, 
I just hope it does work. And we just have to be smart. We can't, you know, look at, you can't tell, you can't say the charter school is really, do, for this purchase, did they do anything illegal? No. They bought someone who's going to sell something. They jumped in and look at, it's, you know, they were very smart. They're, they're people that run that school are quite smart. We have to be smarter. It's our community. So, or at least as smart. <laughs> or, or at least as smart. Well, oh, God. That's I'll give you one. Ca- I'll give that. you a, 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 maybe give it a positive for the charter school. It just seems to me as a sideline, some of the criticism they've got over the years um, isn't reflected in the results of the student body. Correct. They've done extremely well with, yeah. the ki- with yeah. their student well, body in terms of what the level of achievement. Uh, early on, the, the the inference that we offered out, uh, as I recall, years ago was that, uh, well, that'll be a, a very select group that would be students there, and there would be people that wouldn't look like the re- residents of Malden, when in reality, the the dynamics of the way life goes, the uh, student body there re- is reflective of Malden. Yeah, it's an we- integrated school. So th- give them their due that way. But they have some... In- advantage over public school education, one of which obviously is they're not in a position to deal with uh, students have special needs. Right. So those student body, and there's a, and whether it's a language issue or another kind of problem educationally, uh, they're not dealing with them to the level the public school system right. is required to do. And yet that cost factor to the public schools is an advantage to them because right. they're paid mm-hmm. uh, from sources in the state. By the way, they're paid through a state funding mechanism, but in reality, it's deducted from the the the, uh, the monies that come to the local community. That's so correct. the school, you you don't have the students in this public school system, but you also don't have the money. Right. And right. the cost of educating a public school student for a lot of different reasons is far higher than it is at a, at a yeah. charter school. But they get the benefit. In fact, I got the figure several years ago, and I know it's increased considerably since then. The average, uh, the students that attended a charter school, Baldwin was paying eleven thousand dollars a year. Well, Cambridge, which has a uh, a higher cost school budget than the Baldwin, they were paying their charter school in Cambridge thirteen thousand mm-hmm. over thirteen thousand. So, again, th- there's two things here: the dynamics of getting a significant revenue stream. And not really having to provide services that right. the school system exactly. has to provide, yeah. and the tax exemption, they keep the money in the house, yeah. and from that source yeah. they can go go out buy out. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's not ethical, but somehow they're getting it, away it, with it. Well, it's business, and it's not it, the ethical part. But the, the the final bottom line point and comment I was going to make, Boston, as other large metropolitan cities have done in recent years, they've aggressively going after institutions of learning and other nonprofit by definition and argue that the, the city services that have to be provided to those groups is yep. significant and yep. therefore in lieu of a tax that they should be making a contribution to the, to the budget. Yep. And so I don't think they're doing that in more than no, yet. No, not yet. And the, the only other thing is I, uh, when the little blurb that I did see about the uh, – the city and the and the charter school have come to some kind of a at least a temporary understanding that usually suggests that there's a trade off. If we can't have what we wanted to do here, then we have to go to plan B. And I don't know whether that suggests uh, the inference that I got, maybe I'm wrong, is maybe the city's gonna help them find added sites elsewhere within the community mm-hmm. to offset maybe their limited options they're gonna al- mm-hmm. allow for with in Maplewood. Mm-hmm. And all that means is that they're just gonna take another piece of property somewhere else. I don't think it'd be the Marlin Hospital, but that'd certainly be an ideal site. But anyway, nope. we'll see if that, how that works out. Nope. Yeah. To jump around a little bit, Okay. you have an election coming up very shortly. Oh. The vocational school. Yes, yes. And January twenty fifth. What is it? January twenty fifth. Yeah. One day yeah. senior center. Yeah. Um, one place senior center, and uh, vote by mail is allowed, and I think it's going to be a very low turnout. Too low. It'll be yeah. like one. Uh, it'd be eight two, three uh, percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. It is one eight po- uh, precinct two. That's two. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, no, is that yes? You're right. Eight two eight one. 
Well, I, I could be wrong because I don't live there. So. I think it's eight one. <laughs> eight one. Well, yeah. thank you for correcting me. <laughs> I know things I'll by get a wards. Call, I'll, get a, I'll get a call from George Lasky to remind him to get to get it straight. Oh but, my gosh. Uh, well, and, but one thing that it's interesting, I thought two things, actually. One is that um, the voting hours are less than the standard hours. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. it's 10 o'clock to 6 or something. Yeah, I think you're the right. The second thing is I think it's the wrong place to have the centralized voting because it should have been designated for somewhere in the middle of the city. Yeah, and there's no parking. With parking. Right. I mean, yeah. the idea of... Uh, unless you had students either currently in the in the vocational school, you worked as an employee of the vocational school, or you hope to get a job at the vocational school. Don't you there remember? There are a lot of reasons reason why you're going to go vote in a in a especially if the weather is anything like today. Yeah, remember but when then, we had the vocation um, vocational school inside the high school? Say what? Remember when we had the vocational? Uh, well, I certainly do, because John. Yeah. John Furrio, yeah. He, he was a, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I, uh, Sheet metal and they, woodworking and. Uh, just a, <laughs> I, uh, at one time in my life, I was, I had a degree in education, which was a teaching certificate, and I graduated and didn't teach, and then I thought a little while later, maybe I should have given it more thought, and I started to uh, do uh, pre- uh, substitute teaching. And um, I did a month at the vocational school oh, in Malden. Wow. Malden Vocational. Uh, I forget the reason why the teacher was out. And um, it was a senior class. And for those people who aren't familiar with the procedure, with the with vocational education, you do a weekend shop, that, that, whether it be electricity or automotive, for something you plan to do after you graduate. And then you do a week in the classroom. And so they, they call it the uh, related. A week of alternative weeks in, in either one or the other, and uh, so I was doing the related cool. in, the, in the classroom, and it took about five minutes for oh. the students to realize I wasn't a regular teacher. <laughs> but fortunately for me, they were seniors, and so it, basically what they said to me was, "Mr. Lucy, you don't bother us; we won't bother yes, you because." Exactly. If anybody who has any experience, if they if they substitute teaching or they've done the kinds of plugged in temporary employment as a replacing regular teacher, a lot of times it, it, you're not there long enough to, for the kids to get to know you. Or you get to know the kids. So I don't know how much learning goes on. But the other thing, a little bit interesting, is one of my students in that class who was graduating that year was Neil Anderson. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Actually, I think he mentioned that on yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> on on the council floor when yeah. it was a unanimous vote that our new city hall courtyard is going to give naming rights to you. And I'm very proud of that vote. And that will happen sometime in March. And the bench has been ordered, and we have to do the plaque, and we're going to have a wonderful celebration. So, Well, I, I would be remiss if, uh, first of all, when that was proposed by the city council, I was not aware of it. And uh, the second thing was that um, it was sponsored by the councilor who's currently sitting next to me, <laughs> who, who very graciously was very generously uh, made that uh, proposal, and it was uh, accepted by the, the all of the members. But more important than that, it was a, an act of kindness that I appreciate and a very thoughtful, and that's perhaps and well deserved. Uh, well, thank yes. you. But more important than that, that suggests the reason why you get you gathered so many votes when oh, you ran for well. election. Yeah, well. But I. Uh, I was a surpri- well, another thing that did surprise me a little bit was oh. that uh, how much uh, Council de-, de Maria knew about me. I said, "Gee whiz!" I th- then I'm thinking, "Well, she must have contacted a family member or whatever." And then it ended up I was talking to my son, and he called me that day in the afternoon, and he said, "You didn't mention it, but do you know there's a proposal before the council to have your name uh, right to the bench area." at the new government center or city hall. I said, no. He said, well, it's on the docket for tonight. And so uh, I watched the council. Okay. And then as Councilor Maria outlined all this uh, history of Ed Lucy, I said, gee whiz, <laughs> that's really amazing that she had all that. Well, anyway, 
there's a connection to it because years ago I was also uh, in 2010. That's the junior aid, which has had a which had an event in in February, which has to be because of the weather and other elements to be rescheduled. But anyway, that's that's the source, which I'm giving her a copy of that I saved and. Uh, I enjoyed the you know, listening to us this evening or we today. We can go on and on. And yeah, and but more important than that is I can only wish the best for you, <laughs> Councillor Demaria, uh, so and uh, like judges and, and other public officials, uh, you, you'll keep the title.